0: our mission is to help creatives grow their business, hone their marketing and share their stories via outstanding content. Hi team, welcome back to the Make an Impact show. My name is Fab and I'm your host and today I'm bringing you a super duper special episode of a super duper special bonus series. Wow, double super duper. How cool is that? Today, I'm chatting to the incredible Dr. Mike Dow, who was a pleasure to talk to. It was so nice, so lovely, and I just felt like I could talk to him for hours, probably wouldn't have necessarily appreciated that, being hijacked by a crazy Italian lady, but the knowledge, really the expertise, and the way that he works his way through the brain is fascinating. I'm going to tell you that you're going to love this, and I'm going to put words in your mouth because you are going to love this. In case you do not know, Dr. Mike Dow is a New York Times bestselling author, brain health expert, and has been called America's go-to therapist. He's trained in both psychotherapy and functional nutrition to provide his readers an integrative and holistic approach to health and happiness. He is incredibly knowledgeable about what he does, but also is incredibly passionate about understanding our brain and how to make it work more efficiently and effectively. And this is why I needed him to be with me for this bonus series of the Reclaim Your Time Off Claim your time off as a reminder is a short-lived series within the Make an Impact show, and the reason why I brought it to you is because I believe that it's time for us to really understand how we can find that balance that can make us work smarter, not harder, and be happier with our lives. So, what can you do next aside from listening to this incredible episode? Well, first and foremost, you want to pre-order the book, Reclaim Your Time Off, which has been written by you, Shirley, aka myself, and this baby book, my second baby book, has really been a compendium of what I believe are the most important things that you can do to stop overworking and enjoying your work life, especially has it been pretty much flipped on its head in the last 12 months. If you want to find out more about Reclaim Your Time Off the book and pre-order it, just go to creativeimpact.group/slash shop. And in there, you'll be finding the link to get your hands on a pre-order copy of Reclaim Your Time Off. This is a very exciting time for you to do so. And you will discover a bit more about this in the coming months. So please go to creativeimpact.group. Yes, I did it right. Jesus, sometimes, you know, when you say things, so autopilot, I was like, is it the right one? Yeah, it's creativeimpact.group slash shop. I got it right. Well done, Fab. And find out more about the book and. After you've done that, head back to this episode and listen to my incredible chat with Mike Dow. I hope you're going to love it. Hello, everyone, everyone in their eardrums. My name is Fab. Welcome back again and welcome, Mike. Mike, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's my absolute pleasure to have you, everyone. Welcome to reclaim your time off. As a reminder, this is a mini series that dissects the top routines from achievers and performers. And to take, I'm lovely. I'm talking to the lovely Mike Dow. Really excited to have you here. In case you don't know him, Mike is the New York Times best-selling author, brain health expert, and has been called America's go-to therapist. Can I ask you, Mike, to start off by whom? Uh, is it something that somebody actually told you, or is it something that came up uh, obviously through your work? Cause I love yeah,
1: that. It, it, it was a title that somebody else came up with. They were looking at uh, all the TV shows and the books and things, and and somebody somebody used it and like, "Oh, Mike, uh, Doctor Mike Dow, America's go-to therapist." So uh, <laughs> I I thought, "Oh, okay, why not uh, put that on some on my website or uh, a few things?" So I liked it. It's a it's a huge sick. compliment. So yeah.
0: I love it. And again, I've been going, I said to you before, I went on a rabbit hole and I can definitely say that is as true as it gets. That's why I'm so excited to have you. Uh, but before we get to the meat of, of the bottle, we're going to tap into like a little quick fire question. Can you share with me before we get into the element of reclaiming your time off? What do you actually like to do when you're having time off? Is there one activity, maybe like a hobby or something that really speaks to your brain and says, it's time to chill the heck out.
1: Yeah, um, it's funny because I am here in Palm Springs, California. This is our desert house. And this little guy right here on my lap, Rocco, uh, our favorite thing to do, uh, my partner's an ER doctor. He works the night shift. I obviously have a very strange uh, schedule, my private practice, you know, talking to people around the world like you in London. Um, so for me being in nature and going to the dog park or just hiking with my dogs is, is something that brings me so much peace, um, so much joy. And it really helps me to connect with that, that being mode in my brain.
0: I love that. And I think it's so nice, especially because then you, as you say, you kind of take the time for yourself, but you also spend time with little furry friends. I think that's amazing. And probably you have the, the backdrop as well for it, I guess.
1: Oh yes, absolutely. It's 80 degrees Fahrenheit today, so it's a it's going to be a very beautiful sunny day again.
0: Oh, that's alright. Okay. Uh, now I'm jealous. Now I'm very, very
1: jealous.
0: <laughs> uh, so when it comes to that, is it something that it's part of your routine? So we'd like to talk about a couple of elements of your morning routine, if you have one, or how maybe you adapted it, especially now that as you say you're also doing some work remotely. But mm-hmm. um, is it something that you do especially in the morning, or that's more something like really like a bit of a time off? And if so. What are some elements of your morning routine that are pretty much some rituals that you go to rituals?
1: Yeah, so I do alternate day intermittent fasting. So on most days, like today, I'm not eating anything except for uh, a little bit of black coffee. So, um, but every day I start my day with a walk. Um, you know, even if I don't have time to go to the dog park because I have to be in my office, or you know, a six a.m. wake up time for a TV show, um, I always start the day by walking my dogs mindfully with some coffee. Um, And for me, that is something that helps me to center myself. It helps me to be reminded why I do what I do, you know, my family and, and, and just uh, all of the wonderful things that make life worth living. Right. You know, I, I tend to be a bit of a a perfectionist and I'm very driven. So it's really necessary. I would say for me to take a little bit of time to do uh, the opposite. So
0: Love that. I love that. Uh, well, and you know what? It's actually something that I really love doing myself as much as possible. Uh, I go out and have a walk every single morning just for myself. And it's a great time really to soak into everything i wanted to try some of your techniques from one of your books and uh, because i downloaded the audios obviously uh, mm. perfectionist myself high I was like, yes um mm, but mm. i like to listen to pretty much anything in the morning is that spaciousness that i really get for myself and something that again from reading some of your work you really spoke to me especially when you went into that element of the subconscious brain but also making that space yeah. and i find that movement really helps me with that
1: Yeah, it it really does. You know, we have these two modes in our brain, you know, It's, it's the seeking or the doing mode, versus the play and the being mode. And I think, you know, when we look at a child's developing brain, it's so vital for a child's brain to learn both to be in both modes. And I think as adults, we forget about the being and the playing mode. Um, You know, this activity where there is no goal, you know, so when I'm with my dogs, there's no, there's no goal, you know, I'm not trying to make them burn a certain amount of calories, I'm just being with them, you know, sure, we're walking and that sort of a side effect. But I, I think as adults, we forget about that, that part of ourselves and, and that part of our brain as well
0: that's funny you said that because there's a like during my little stalking activity healthy stalking activity actually this uh, I did spot a few times you mentioning the element of fun and play yeah. and yeah. I really love that because it's and again correct me if I'm wrong I think when you talk about whether it's optimization or subconscious or you know getting better more productive we kind of want to get into the element of doing again and it's yeah. kind of goes against that to be like no actually I want to just to be try and do that we really struggle I think as adults and obviously there's some conditioning. There as well, but I found it really fascinating.
1: Yeah, well, especially I think you know, uh, as an Italian, I think the Italians do it better. I think I know you're in London, um, and I'm of course American. Um, I, I think the the Brits and the Americans, you know, we are very driven cultures, and I and I think it's especially important for for people in these cultures to realize, Oh, there is something to be said about, about taking the time off. I think Americans are probably the worst offenders, (laughs) you know, it's just always work, work, work. And I have, I have some friends in France and they're French um, and they, they, they both did one year of college in America and they make this joke uh, about Americans, you know, are going to, you know, they're going to show up in, in a polo shirt and, you know, the name of their company is always going to be on their shirt and they're always going to be talking about work. And, and to them, that's, it's such a foreign concept, right? Because it's, oh, is that your total identity? And I think sometimes it even goes down to that level of identity, that, that question of who am I? Um, And I think Americans got get so caught up with what they do and they forget about that other side.
0: Again, like cult to me, like that element of different cultures and releasing our reflect and the way I love the idea of the identity as well, and also the way that we set up our day. And there, we, I think, uh, there's something that you mentioned again, going back to the book, by the way, the book that I'm talking about is Your Subconscious Brain Can Change Your Life. This is the one that I was reading, and there's obviously a couple of elements also really interesting about the idea of success, and also you know, tapping into that. Some of the uh, techniques that you talk about, there's one of them Mm -hmm. that is just about success, and I think it's so interesting. Interesting because some of these beliefs that we think about and not just our health but also the our mindset or the way that we consider success or productivity throughout the day really will affect um, our subconscious brain as much as our conscious brain as well so i don't yeah. know if you would like to maybe introduce some people that might have no idea of what's the difference between conscious and subconscious brain can you tell us a bit more about that and introduce us to that subject because i think it's really fascinating
1: Yeah, me too. Uh, I am just absolutely obsessed. And, you know, I have a confession to make. And that confession is that I only went to my first, uh, you know, there's different tracks and I had to go to many, many days of hypnosis training with the American Society of Clinical Hypnosis. And I frankly only went to the beginning training week uh, because it was in Austin Texas, and i 've a very good friend who lives there, and I, I really and I trained in everything else, and I needed some uh, continuing education for my license so i thought oh i 'll just do this and then the first day when we had to go into a practicum where we were practicing on each other i I went so deep into this hypnotic trance, and you know i 'd studied mindfulness meditation and all these other practices, and you know I practice yoga and all these other things and in 30 seconds. I was so deep. I was I was in this otherworldly sort of state. You know, it, I think that word trance is a, is a great way to sum it up. I was I was in this deep trance and I thought to myself, oh, wow, the implications of this are profound. Um, but I think there is so much I think Americans, especially I, I think um you know, people in the UK are very open to hypnosis, and I think in most of Europe, but in America at least, there's this idea that hypnosis is, you know, this magic Las Vegas circus show. Um, but so that's why I, I really wanted to have my brain scanned. So in terms of what's the difference between the subconscious and the conscious brain, you know, I wanted to use the word brain instead of mind because I think when people hear the word brain and they see my brain scans and you can see my brain at rest in a quote conscious state and then you can see the different ways that it lights up in a quote subconscious state. So it's really changing, number one, the connectivity in, within different brain structures and then some um, parts of the brain go online, other parts go offline. And then looking at, you know, so we can look, you know, I scan my brain with a SPECT, which shows blood flow over time, and then also a QEEG, uh, looking at uh, the electrical activity brain waves. And when we look at brain waves, generally speaking, from fastest to slowest, the brain waves are gamma, beta, alpha, theta, delta. So, you know, we all, when we're dreaming at night, that's theta. Um, and then when we are in that deep dreamless sleep, we're in delta. So, you know, what's really interesting about hypnosis is that it it takes the brain into these theta brain waves. So you could see on my EEG of my brain that when I was in a trance, that my brain was sort of, especially from the front to back, bathed in these theta brain waves that I would typically have if I was dreaming. So in a lot of ways hypnosis is suspending the brain in between being awake and being asleep. You're in that sweet spot, and we know, you know, just like if, if a doctor gave you right before a surgery, um, gave you some anesthesia, and they said, "Oh, go ahead, close your eyes," and you're just sort of in this trance state, and you just take everything uh, without fighting back, without being defensive. And you sure, and you say, "Oh, sure, okay, I'll close my eyes." Oh, okay, they they just say, "Relax," and you just sort of take any suggestion. And I think the same thing is true when you're in that hypnotic state, you know. And based on all the research studies I cite in my book, it's really fascinating when you when you look at some of these studies and and some of the behaviors and the changes that they found.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong then, I, I got fascinated when you were talking about all the beta, I was like, oh, there's something mm. beautiful about talking about these things and I appreciate that, as you said, talking about brain and not mind is just a minor shift that i'm i'm kind of thinking can potentially appeal to more people again i'm thinking about the americans necessarily but it's sometimes you know we think about mind or mindfulness there was a lot of friction i think thankfully it's getting less and less mm-hmm. but you know when you when you put it from a scientific point of view it actually can get a bit more relatable for some people which i find really really interesting but yeah. from reading a lot of the book like some of the concepts are very similar it's still going deeper within and that's kind of a lot of what comes back so i was wondering how have you found that that has been received when it comes to trying to talk to people that maybe were a bit skeptical about this? Because you know, or oh, preaching to the converted is the one thing, but obviously if people are thinking this seems too far from me, this doesn't seem something that could apply to me. What can we yeah. tell them to actually think back?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I did two, the two big American talk shows, the two big medical sh- uh, talk shows, the Dr. Oz show and the doctors. And I demonstrated hypnosis on both shows. Um, on people who were not a typical, you know, you think of somebody who goes to hypnosis or is interested in hypnosis and they're probably, uh, you know, in, interested in integrative health and they're not sort of, uh, they're a little bit left of the mainstream, let's say. Um, so it was really interesting to me to be able to use hypnosis um, on people who were just sort of everyday Americans. They, they really had no idea what hypnosis was And, you know, on the Dr. Oz show, I was working with a woman who had a bird phobia and, you know, it's interesting. um, I believe that talk traditional talk therapy. So let's say cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, it can work and it does work and I use it in my practice as well. But for certain things, especially, for example, a phobia that was caused, um, you know, in her limbic system, in the amygdala, the brain associated and stored a traumatic memory that she had of a bird scaring her. So, you know, the brain is pairing bird with fear. And when you have that sort of memory, you can talk about it, but you're in a different part of the brain right so the dominant brain wave of the limbic system is the theta brain wave so doesn't it make sense that you would use the theta brain wave of hypnosis to quickly get to the same part of the brain where that trauma where that fearful memory is stored to to unpair because you know we certainly know that you can you know even pavlovian dogs you know you can unpair um, a stimulus and a response, right? So when the dog salivates because you know the bell rings and he knows that food is coming, you can unpair that. But it takes the brain longer to unpair than it does to pair. It only takes one time to be scared by a bird, and bam, your brain has made that connection. So in a lot of ways, I think hypnosis for somebody who's more quote mainstream and has never you know tried anything that is outside of the traditional allopathic um, American medical system. Um, it it, it can be sort of this, oh, wow, it feels like brain magic, but it's not magic, it's actually science.
0: Science and magic, love that, love that. When it comes to, obviously, you've wrote loads of books and you have loads of knowledge and you actually wanted, you know, the, the experience that you have when it comes to understanding the brain can tap into so many different areas of our lives. And I think, to me, when it comes about thinking of reclaiming your time off and making more time for yourself, you know there are so many different things that you can do like by having more energy by you know sleeping better by waking up early so it's really like everything is like a big collection of things so I was wondering what would be one one thing one tip or one practice that you think can really help people work smarter not harder maybe you have a few uh maybe yeah. different areas. but
1: yeah I, I I certainly do you know One of my favorite techniques is to um, use a strategy that I outline in my book, Heal Your Drained Brain, which is about anxiety and insomnia. And it's, it's, it's very, very simple. It's working mindfully. And if you think about every single day, making a list of, let's say, the seven to 10 most important things you need to do, and you then start at number one, and this is the simplest strategy, but I promise you it works. You give all your attention and only your attention to number 1 and then you cross it off your list and then you move to number 2 and anything you don't get done that's fine you just move it up to the next day's list and what i find you know especially in brain scans of quote multitaskers you know a couple of things we know that multitaskers are not you're not really multitasking what your brain is actually doing is you are rapidly switching back and forth so you're single tasking rapidly But the more complex the tasks get, the more time you are losing in efficiency because your brain takes a little bit of time to switch back and forth. So isn't it so interesting that I think a lot of people say, oh, well, multitasking helps me to save time. But actually, that's not true. It actually, in the long run, is help is taking your time away. So if you work smarter, you can actually increase your productivity without changing anything. You know, you don't need a drug to do that. You just, you change your behavior and you change, you know, again, the mind can change the brain. So the way you use the mind, you can, you know, we know that from some of these um, meditation studies where we see a thicker prefrontal cortex, you know, if you meditate a lot, well, the same thing is true with any behavior that you do over and over again. So if you are training the brain to be mindful when you work, then, you know, you you're using the mind to change the brain, you're using your activity, your thoughts, you know, all those things affect brain structures, blood flow, chemistry, all of that, you know, it's not singular, it's it's multifactorial. Um, and then the other thing I would say for me is, Knowing your attention span. So I think a lot of people these days have a very short attention span. And that's actually fine. You know, you don't you don't need to have a very long attention span. But it's this idea of time chunking. So if you have a short attention span, then if your attention span is only 15 minutes, that's fine. Give yourself that 15 minutes take a little break back to 15 minutes. You know, it, you don't have to be somebody who can sit at a library studying a book for eight hours in a row in order to be successful, you know, and that brings me to something that I believe is central to my practice. And that is insight. Know yourself, you know, you have to examine your life, you know, uh, in an unexamined life. I think uh, the quote goes, Uh, isn't quite as worth living or something like that and I think that's very true when we can examine and know ourselves with insight we can know our strengths weaknesses who we are you know even uh getting to know our attention span
0: I don't know if anybody can hear that but that was a mic dropped by Mike because that was awesome I love that uh there was so much goodness. There is knowing yourself, yes, and adapting the schedule to yourself and the time. I think time blocking is a buzzword and it can work. But what you gave us here is not just the time blocking per se, but it's also adapted to your own way of working because then you can work more efficiently, more productively. And I love the double. And I know that you mentioned that it was a simple tip, but I think the double tip of, and um, you know, working on one thing at a time also help us creating to-do lists or lists of things that are not based on have to do all of this today but this is what I'm prioritizing and I'm working on my way through it and I think it almost and that's probably you know there's a question in this it reminds us that sometimes the urgency that we put onto things we put it ourselves is Mm. sometimes it's external don't get me wrong there's a deadline but a lot Mm. of the time we put it onto ourselves because we want to give ourselves the urgency but it can be counterproductive if we don't honor our timing, because we just believe that we can do all these things. I call it time dysmorphia. And mm. I don't know, if maybe I made up the word, but that's kind of how I see it.
1: I love that, Fab. You know, I think there is a lot of time dysmorphia for so many of us. And isn't it so interesting too? you know, when you were talking, I was thinking um, of this idea of mindfulness. And I think a lot of people when they're resting, they're thinking about work, So, you know, and when they're working, they're thinking about rest. And you think about how much that steals from you, you know, here you are trying to enjoy a a nice meal with your significant other. But if work is at the back of your mind, if you're always sort of working, even when you're resting or playing or um, trying to cultivate peace, well, then you're robbing yourself of the purity of that experience, you know, and I think that the that in terms of time dysmorphia, it also does play with your concept of time and it robs you of time, right? Because if you try to go to sleep and you're thinking about work, well, now you're not sleeping. Now you're, now you're worrying, you know? So it's, it's just getting used to changing the modes on our brain. You know, I I like to think of the brain as um, I think this is in, it's in one of my books. I think it's the subconscious brain uh, can change your life. I, I think of the brain as being, an, uh, you know, high intensity interval training on a treadmill or, you know, with weights and you're getting your, your brain used to sprinting and then resting and then sprinting and then resting. And that's the same thing when it's working and resting, you don't want to be jogging all day long, right? You want to, you want to get used to, you can sprint, you can run, you can jog, you can walk, you can take a break. And I I think a lot of us, the more adaptive we become, uh, the better we can harness time.
0: And that is so true and actually, it goes back to a book that I read, which is not one of yours. It's called uh, "Indistractable" by Nir Eyal and it's great. Mm-hmm. So it's all about one of the main points that it makes. It's kind of you know, a bit clickbait. You think it's going to tell me how to get not distracted by phones, but actually it tricks you to look hard at yourself and say, actually, it's not the laptop's fault. It's not the phone's fault because I can always do this and put it away. Mm-hmm. It's really like taking ownership of what can we do in order to set better boundaries for ourselves because if it's the phone now, in 10 years, it's going to be whatever we're going to have. Mm-hmm. 20 years ago, it was something else. So really what I'm, what I'm hearing from you as well is the element of, you know, once we understand what we can control and how we can, you know, make the best choices for ourselves, instead of believing that some things just happen. And it goes mm-hmm. back, I guess, to the mindfulness. Um, so it reminds me of that book, because that's another big takeaway from that. It's like, what can we control? How can we know ourselves better and make yeah. those choices?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. I'll have to read that <laughs> it's,
0: it's a great book i'm here, like this is going to be and that's what i am excited about really that uh, kindness to ourselves and others revolution that people even like Karen huffington brought up and obviously people like mm. yourself are also going to try to bring up by giving us different tools and just making that time and i really believe that and it is one of my last question before i get you to the last question uh it's really interesting how that has evolved with everybody has to work remotely and the boundaries are really shifted and this is mm-hmm. probably a bit more outside of the brain itself but have you seen within your practice uh some changes in like the way that people actually are coping with their feelings their emotions now that these boundaries are shifting and obviously there's the element of the big new normal in general but i also think just how our lives now are different how our habits are different how have you seen that working with your practice and your clients
1: yeah in in my practice i see it mostly as a negative because you're right you know there's a bleeding in you know so work is bleeding into personal life and vice versa you know you can be sitting in your living room and you're on a zoom conference call your significant other is on a call your kids are in online school in the in the room and and then your postmate shows up and somebody's knocking on the door and you know and and it's makes it more important for us to be very disciplined with the way we relate to time and productivity. And it, you know, in many ways, it's easy to go into an office physically and get yourself in a mindset because you have a lot of parameters helping the brain and nudging the brain into that direction. But when you're in your home and there are all these triggers and all of these things that can take your attention, you actually have to be better with, um, the discipline of the mind. But I also think that that promotes and and provides an opportunity, you know, as we were talking about knowing yourself, it provides a certain amount of flexibility, you know, that we can take that and say, okay, this is not, this is certainly not ideal the way it started. But, you know, this idea of flexibility of time and, you know, time management and being your own boss and managing your own time. And if you are somebody who can only work in 15 minute chunks, and then, you know, you know, you do 15, five, or if you're somebody who does an hour, 10 or three hours of uninterrupted work, and then you take a 15 minute break, you know, it allows you the flexibility to work the way you want to, as you get to know your brain.
0: Love that. That's awesome. Now we're going to finish off as we started with a bit of fun. Uh, one more question. Uh, can you think about the best weekend break ever? So if you were to think about I have two days for myself, what would be the top two or three things that you would do in that weekend?
1: Oh, gosh. Um I am a sun person, which is why I'm here in sunny Palm Springs with my partner. Um, I I think I would be uh, on a beach somewhere and there's just something about being immersed in nature for me. That, you know, especially as a city dweller, you know, I, I feel like I spend most of my time um, in dense Los Angeles. And then, you know, I go to New York very, very frequently for work. So, you know, when it's not a, a pandemic, I'm usually in New York a couple times a month. You know, so I'm in these really urban areas and, you know, subconsciously, even the sharp angles of modern buildings and concrete and steel and glass, you know, subconsciously our brain um, on some level associates that with danger because you think about nature and the way we evolved and cliffs and, and things like that. And then you think about, you know, the surroundings of nature and how many of those are sort of bubbling up within our subconscious in our surroundings. So, you know, for me, when I'm in a surrounding, um, in in a sort of scenario, like a beach, uh, you know, I, I really am a huge fan of Spain. I spent my 40th birthday, um, Uh, on the beaches of Spain. And that was just so magical for me, because there's something about just changing all of your surroundings, even changing the language, the culture that forces your brain into a new mode. You know, I kind of compare it to what hypnosis feels like, um, if you've never been hypnotized, you know, so I I think it's really interesting. And I think people, um, I do hope that if you are thinking about reading this book, um, buy the book, go right to the appendix. I think it's appendix D get the uh, track, listen to one of them. And then, you know, if you're somebody who's on the fence um, have that experience and then you can go back and read the rest of the book Uh, because I think there's something about having that experience um, that helps people to say, Oh, this is a totally different mode.
0: Yeah, and I can vouch for that because uh, I try to track myself. In nature, so oh, it was double, d- double trouble. It was really, really good. So What was your, what was your experience
1: that. like how would you describe it? I'm always curious.
0: Uh, it was just a floaty. Yeah. Floaty. Yeah. I, 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 struggle again, a Virgo perfectionist, hyperactive brain 20 million miles mm-hmm. an hour. So it was nice and floaty. Um, I did one that was a bit more like on, on the floaty side, but I know that when I, when I empty my brain almost like there are different uh, emotions come up. I'm quite mm-hmm. empathetic. So like a lot of emotions come up. So I was quite happy with that one because I was like, okay, yeah. this is a good one. Sometimes it might be actually something different. Uh, so yeah it just makes it made space for me which was lovely
1: oh I love that word floaty that's exactly how I feel when I use hypnosis
0: (laughs) so yeah it definitely made me crave for more so guys I would 110% recommend the book as well uh Mike thank you so much for being here with me and if people want to find out more about you what would be the best place to go
1: uh probably my website drmikedow d-r-m-i-k-e-d-o-w.com
0: thank you so much again
1: thanks fab you are fab
0: Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check our show notes for more juicy goodness about this episode. If you loved it, please take some time to give us five stars on iTunes. And make sure that you let us know your ha-has and takeaways on Instagram at creativeimpactco. Also, you can find out more about us on our website at creativeimpact.group.